Good day, listeners. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. So glad that you've decided to join us today. My name is Jonathan, and we actually have back with us Gary Ingram with the Love and Truth Network. And so, Gary, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much. Glad to be here again. Yeah. Well, in this program, listeners, we're going to be trying to dive into what does it mean to be made in God's image, specifically as he designed us male and female. And we're going to hear from Gary about that. But before we dive in, uh, I just want to let you know, as we do periodically, that we are a listener-supported program. So the only way that you're hearing us or seeing us is just because we've had partners come alongside and decide to, su- to support this ministry um, with financial gifts. And we're grateful, especially for those of you who t- decided to become monthly givers towards this ministry. But uh, there's two ways that we would ask that you consider supporting us. One is certainly financial. And you can go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate link uh, to, to make your contribution. But another way that's absolutely free is for you to just go and rate and review the podcast. When you do that, it helps people to be able to find our podcast more easily because the more ratings and reviews that we have, then as people are searching for this topic or just wanting more help in their relationships or with, with their sexual integrity, then they can find this podcast and be benefit, benefit, benefited from it. So uh, again, go to the website, puresexradio.com if you'd like to make a financial contribution or just go to, your, uh, to the Apple podcast to rate and review the podcast. Well, Gary, I am really excited to be getting into this conversation because uh, you know, we are living in a day and age, uh, especially in the Western world, but really even just globally now, where there is massive confusion and chaos surrounding the issues of sexuality and gender, and just even having a clue what it even means to be human anymore. I think we're we're yes. we're totally deconstructing humanity. Yes. Um, so I I'm excited about having this conversation where we want to hear from you about. What does it even mean when God says that we are made in his image and that he made us in his image as these sexual beings, male and female? So where's the starting point that we get into this conversation about the image of God? Well, so I I just want to mention that um, my wife, Melissa, and I uh, both have been profoundly impacted by and really informed on this particular topic of the image of God through the um, the 40-year ministry of Desert Stream Ministries and Andrew Kamiski and living his Living Waters program uh, just has has totally rocked our world and and so a lot of what we understand uh, about the image of God really flows out of uh, that ministry. Uh, with that in mind, it's it's interesting. I, I've been pondering. Um, uh, over the last couple of weeks, really, just the the reality that um, while God has made, um, you know, God created animals, he created everything, obviously, but, you know, man isn't just a higher form of the animal kingdom. And um, when the idea that God breathed into us the breath of life, you know, and, and man became a living soul, I mean, that's a unique reality that uh, that we can easily kind of gloss over when we're reading the beginning of Genesis. And, and when, when God um, took Eve out of Adam, again, that's unique. The animals, that was not part of their experience. He just made them male and female. But here Eve is taken out of Adam. And, um, and, and, it's, and in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, we really see that framework for where um, God is having this conversation with himself, uh, the, with the Trinity, and saying, let us man make, make man in our image. And, um, and, and at the end of verse 27, it says that uh, he made them in his image, male and female, he made them. And so this idea that 
that we were made male and female of equal value. And the church hasn't always gotten that right. Actually, right. For, for, you know, it's gotten it wrong in, in many ways. Uh, but that, that we are made of equal value as male and female, and that we have intentionally different um, characteristics uh, that God put in us as male and female that are a part of his image. And, and so, I mean, it, it was a transformational reality for me, wrestling with same-sex attraction and pretty fresh in that, in that journey when I began to really understand, began to ask the question of what does it mean to, for me to be a man made in God's image? What, how do I live that out in a way that really fulfills his calling for me? And, and one of the things I could conclude, at least in the beginning, was I don't think that me having sex with another man uh, or being married to another man, uh, having a lifelong commitment to another man, I don't believe that can actually be God's will and desire. There's God made us as male and female to I mean, the, the language that's used when, when he brought, uh, he made Eve and brought her to Adam is that he made someone to correspond to Adam. Um, and, and so there's, there's both a similarity, but there's dissimilarity. And, and so this, this idea that I can really fulfill God's intention for marriage by, by being in union with someone just like myself, someone who bears the same image of God, um, is really not in any way living out God's design and desire for us to actually relate to the other image. Uh, in some ways, it's easier, certainly for a same-sex attracted guy, to, to, to live out um, a relationship with a guy because I know, you know, I understand him far better than I understand her and, and vice versa. But it's, it's in that place where um, we begin to really live and function according to God's design and, and also where we begin to break down the, um, the barriers between male and female, the war that's been going on between the sexes since, since the fall, since the beginning of Genesis, um, between Adam and Eve, and immediately you see accusation and, um, and, and covering, you know, they, they, real, they were full of shame um, after sinning. And, and so um, this and idea... Would you say, would, yes. would you say that, um, to kind of build that point out a little bit more, one of the reasons that we have such a struggle now in all aspects of our sexuality and relational brokenness and all that is because when sin, sin entered into the world, there was a if I could put it this way, a fracturing of God's image in male and female, because yes. now there was like the, the image of God in the man was broken. Now the image of God in the woman was broken now. And, you know, ad nauseum, we've had that conflict going on because there was a fracturing in the image of God. Would yes. that make sense? Like if we were, if we were meant in terms of when I hear image of God, a lot of times I think we were, we were designed by God as mirrors, like we were meant to reflect him. That's, that's our, our created order. Our created design yes. is unlike any other creature. We have a mirror directly connected to God that is meant to image him in the world. Yes. Well, sin like broke the mirror, you know, mm -hmm. and now that's, that's where all of maybe this, the sexual brokenness and all the other things might come out. Um, but go on. What else would you no, say? No, no, I think, that? I mean, that's, that is so true, Jonathan. And just to, to kind of um, follow through on that a little bit, uh, certainly, so the mirror has been broken, but in Christ, I mean, this is one of the beautiful things I often hear and, and, and I agree with, and 
the idea that our identity is is rooted in Christ, our identity is in Christ as followers um, as followers of Him. That's certainly true. But I think we also have a more formative identity, which is that we were made in God's image, and that mm-hmm. was broken. And but in our identity, in identifying with Jesus and identifying with Christ and His work on the cross and us coming under uh, that that work and 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 coming into alignment with it, it it also allows us then to begin to, um, to restore. He's restoring in us that idea of being better reflections of who he is as male and female. Uh, so, um, and there's also something about the way that we honor one another. Like it's when we honor one another, certainly in our marriages for sure, but, but as single individuals, uh, I think too often the church, uh, we have set up um, a scenario in which it's all about family. And of course, I think that's a, core, that's a core need, but we need to do a whole lot more for singles than have some crappy singles ministry that every, no one can stand being in, right? And I'm so glad you're saying that because it is all about family, but that doesn't mean it's all biological family. Exactly. Like the family of God is full of male and female, and they're not all married to each other. That's they're not, right. you know... And I think that's a good picture to remember that that's the imaging of God in his, in the body of Christ is yes, it's, we need men and women in that, but they don't all need to be married. Yeah. And it needs to be cross-generational and yeah. So there, there's just so much to be gained by um, learning how to relate to one another in ways that are life-giving where men, so part of being masculine, getting to touching on that a little bit in relationship to woman is that men aren't just looking at a beautiful woman and undressing her all the time. You know, she doesn't, and, and women, I think a part of, of a woman being made in the image of God and, and, and living out that image, there's a way in which a woman has a particular kind of intuition. There's a way in which she has a knowing that, that isn't necessarily, I mean, plenty of women are, are logical. My wife is more linear than I am. Uh, and, and there are women who are engineers and that kind of thing and, and mathematicians. Uh, but, but there is a way in which um, women also have a, a kind of knowing and this intuition that I think is an expression of the image of God in them. And they pick up on and they become aware of, even if they can't say two plus two equals four in the situation, even if they, don't, they, they can't quantify it, there's a sense of knowing that she's being dishonored or she is, um, uh, he's, he's, he, whoever he is, or the kind of the, the, um, the uh, men in general, uh, just don't feel necessarily safe to her. And, and so part of being a man and, being, and living out this masculinity is that we as men make safe spaces. We, uh, the, the environment around us becomes a sense of wanting to not smother, that's happened plenty, not hold women down, that's happened plenty in terms of uh, their opportunities and things like that. We want to foster their opportunities actually uh, and, and, but at the same time, we also wanna provide a covering and a kind of protection. And, I, and in my, I, my opinion, I believe that aspect, that desire of a man, that good desire to want to uh, both bless and, and lift up and let her be all that she can be while at the same time making sure that she's protected and covered uh, is, is part of an, uh, the image of God in him toward her. So let's talk about, you know, uh, in, in a previous broadcast that you and I were on together, um, you talked about something that we talk about around here all the time, and that is that everyone is connected to sexual brokenness in some way, whether it be their own or someone else. We're all connected to sexual brokenness. So that being the case and realizing that we were made 
I love the fact that you said really our first identity is we were made in the image of God. And then of course that's completed for us in the person of Jesus Christ because of sin having broken that original image. But let's talk about the fact that, okay, sexual brokenness has touched every single person. What does it look like for us to sort of recapture, re-engage, know what it is, even the goodness of our being made in God's image as we try to work through all these sexual brokenness issues? What's the connection there between us understanding being made in the image of God and dealing with whatever our sexual brokenness issue is? You know, I think, again, it's part of it is the, the difference between trying, focusing on uh, an addiction or sinful behavior to try to stop that. And, and, and we're constantly focused on it and trying to not do it, but all we're thinking about is the thing, as opposed to turning away from that and actually having uh, this idea, that, a vision that, is, that we're leaning into that others are casting for us uh, this, this big vision that God actually has for each one of us, there's something that is so much more um, powerful, so much more powerful in terms of turning away from what we're trying to break free of and focusing on where we're heading and where we're going. And I think part of that is very much connected. Not, it's, it's very connected to who we are as image bearers. Um, there, there's incredible honor in the reality that we are image bearers. There's cred- incredible honor in the reality that we are um, part of a royal priesthood in a holy nation. And yet when I was living in addictive behavior, uh, bound up in chronic masturbation and pornography and, and uh, you know, sleeping with a variety of people, uh, I, it was anything but honoring. It was anything but life-giving. And, and so part of what is um, something that can, that can really be a spark in, in moving people forward out of addictive patterns is the vision that people are, are casting, um, the vision that they begin to take hold of, but also this, this honor. Like I remember, I, mean, I remember there was something about, I think anybody that has experienced this, and probably all, all of us have, uh, will know what I'm talking about. You know, to walk in a clean conscience, I mean, there's something so incredibly wonderful about that. And then to turn and soil that, it's it's um it's it's pretty devastating and it's pretty discouraging uh but 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 that idea of walking in a clean conscience is it's just freeing it's wholesome it's it it is life-giving in ways that we can't even fully understand and i think that honor that we lean into in terms of being an image bearer uh, where i'm not i'm not just an animal i'm not just a higher uh you know i'm not just at the top of the you know, animal population. Uh, I'm a, I'm a completely, yes, there's some components there that are similar, but I'm a completely different creature because I've been made in the image of God. And I get to lean into what does it mean not to just be human made in the image of God, but what does it mean to be male and female made in the image of God? How do I relate to my brothers in a way that breathes life into them, that blesses them, that doesn't just not tear them down, but actually builds them up? Um, and, and how do I, again, as, as, as a woman, how do I bless my brothers? As a man, how do I bless my sisters? And how do we begin to um, stir one another up to love and good deeds in that context of being his image bearers? Yeah, let's talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, you mentioned earlier, God was very specific and intentional in creating these two different creatures, although he pulled Eve out of Adam. So there is a sense of we are of the same stuff, so to speak. In other words, the equality aspect there, but also there's, there's very intentional distinctions. In other words, 
there is a way that God designed the male that is not female and the way that God designed the female that is not the male. Why is it important for us to recognize and embrace and even celebrate those distinctions rather than thinking like uh, a man can do it all or a woman can do it all? Why do you think it's important that we recognize that, well, God actually made us different and made us with limitations to almost force us to need each other. Yeah. Like what, what's the importance of recognizing that along this journey, especially as we try to heal from whatever kinds of brokenness we're, we're dealing with? Well, we know, for example, um, uh, in Ephesians, where Paul writes about this, um, this mystery, we think that he's talking about uh, marriage and the sexual union within the context of marriage. But then he, he totally turns what he's saying on its head and says, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. And so um, for one thing, and, I, and I, um, it's broader than just marriage, absolutely. But, but there is a piece of this that is, that is really vital in that marriage, um, the, the union of one man uh, and one woman uh, for life was, is God's ideal and it's God's, um, it's, it's God's intention as part of God's design. But one of the reasons it's part of God's design is because it's a metaphor for a much greater spiritual reality of the, the union that he desires um, for Christ in the church, his body. That, that's one important piece. But I think also um, there's something really uh, where, where we, if we're going to live out um, relationship with the other well, if we're going to live out relationship as, as men and women, single men and women toward one another, certainly within marriage, if we're going to live that out well, we have to walk in humility with each other. I mean, humility is a core thing that um, is incredible. I mean, I certainly struggle with that too, uh, not walking in humility, but, but it is a core thing. It's, it's a core piece, and it's actually one of the ways that we mirror the heart of God. I mean, we see the humility of Christ. We see this, this humility in the Trinity toward one another and this deference toward one another, and um, and, and certainly I think that we have an opportunity uh, as husbands and wives, as men and women toward one another, as men and as, as brothers and as sisters toward sisters, we have this incredible opportunity to really show um, a humility for each other. And, and I think it takes real work. And this is one of the things also Melissa and I gained from our time in Living Waters, and we continue to do Living Waters. Um, but one of the things we really gained in that is this deeper understanding that it takes a lot of work to actually honor the other in a way that 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 really lifts them up and builds them up and um, uh, and as we do that, I mean, it's not just uh, paying you know outward compliments toward one another. It's actually recognizing like this thing that has been maybe mysterious or frustrating or whatever about you. Um, there's a way in which you're so you're different. You're similar to me, but you're different, and you're such an amazing reflection of the image of God. And I want to really lean into that. I mean, how many of us as husbands, Christian husbands and Christian wives are considering what is it that my husband bears or what is it that my wife bears that is a, an example of the image of God? Like it's an expression of the image of God. And how do I actually routinely crush that? Mm -hmm. How do I actually stifle that? I think oftentimes as men, we do that toward, towards women when we expect them to understand things the way that we understand them and, and vice versa. Um, but I think that's, that's a core, um, this, this getting out of ourselves and leaning toward the other uh, and, and becoming one with the other, certainly in marriage, but appreciating the other as single individuals 
really is a um, a witness to the world of the uh, of the goodness of God and the way that we can relate to each other in profoundly wholesome ways and life giving ways. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the ways this sort of worked out practically for me in my own journey of recovery and reconciliation and restoration with my wife was I had to realize, you know what, I've, I've wanted to think that I could just do it all. Like I could be everything that I was, that, that anybody could ever be. And one of the things I had to realize, you talk about humility is I had to realize, you know what, I am, I am horrible at emotionally bonding with another person. Well, guess who God gave me as a wife? Yep. Somebody who's phenomenal at emotionally bonding with other people. And so part of my own journey was recognizing I need to submit to her in that. Like, I don't have that. I don't have that, that same level of skill and ability and, and just it oozes out of her. And so the, the journey that I've been on of just learning that from her, I think there's a beauty that we miss when we seek to try to think we can be everything to everyone at all times. And it's like, no, we have limitations. And one of the things that I'm constantly reminded of, Gary, is, you know, God looked at a perfect man and said, you need help. Yes. Yes. <laughs> you know, he said, not good that you're alone. So I'm thinking, how much more do I need help? If, you know, if you looked at a perfect man and said you need help. So I yes. think that's, it's, it's good for us to be reminded every now and then that, that that was part of God's design. When he said it's very good when he made male and female, yep. I think it had to do with not only the idea that we can help each other, we were designed to help each other and, and like you said, fit each other. But I think there's also a sense of, um, you know, we like to use the phrase around here in our ministry that we're better together. Yes. Meaning that it's not just about, hey, you've got a deficiency and so I can fill that gap and you need help. But there is something that we become together. And I'm not just talking about in marriage. I think when yeah. you pull the body of Christ together, you have men and women together. There is something of a far greater um, attribute or entity or character or power that happens when we come together. So in other words, I think there's a multiplication effect. And I'd love for you to talk about this. It's not as if when the, the men in the body of Christ and the women in the body of Christ get together, that it's merely an addition, like one man plus one woman now right. equals two. I feel like there's actually a multiplication effect because the Holy Spirit is part of that. So mm-hmm. you can, talk, can you talk a little bit about the good that comes to the entire community when we are willing to, to pool to our resources together, when we're willing to put ourselves together as male and female in the body of Christ. Yep. Well, absolutely. And, and it, I think of it as synergy, really. And, and just as you were finishing that up, I had this flash of the memory of the, the, uh, the allegory of the parable of, of stone soup, right? Some, somebody comes through town and uh, here, it's a town with uh, mostly poverty. Uh, everybody is, is uh, hungry. And, um, but what, uh, to summarize it very quickly, is that everybody has something. And, and as long as we keep our somethings to ourselves, uh, and, and, then, and we're not willing to combine it with others or see what others have and bring our, our offering to the table. Sometimes we don't bring our offering because we're ashamed of it. Sometimes we don't bring our offering because we uh, don't trust others with it. Sometimes we don't bring it because we're, we're, we're tending to be kind of greedy. But when they brought their, their little bits and pieces, uh, here they make this incredible you know, soup or stew that, that feeds the, uh, the town. And, uh, and I think in many ways, um, I, that's true in the church. I mean, some of what we're talking about, Jonathan, 
most of what I've experienced in the church and, and, I, and even to today, I think so often we as men and women, um, we as humans, we mistrust one another, but particularly as men and women, there's a lot of mistrust in the church. And, uh, and we, will, we will tolerate each other, we'll, we'll laugh with each other, we'll do the functions of ministry, and yet we're still holding so much of our gifting and so much of, 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 of the very, various things that God's given us, we're still withholding so much of that. But when we'll bring that, when we learn, when we as men, when we as leaders in the church create space for this and we invite people and, and we're willing to take the lead in it and we share our own stories of struggle and brokenness and we, make, we give permission for everybody else not to stay in sin, but to be struggling and to be moving toward Jesus and to be moving together. There's something about that that you're absolutely right. It's not just adding you know, one plus one. It is, it, there's a synergy in that and, and we start to relax and we can bring our full offering to in increasing ways, we can bring our full offering to bear with somebody else's full offering that otherwise we're just, we're, we're getting a little piece of um, mm. when, when we're holding it so closely out of fear or pride or mistrust. And, uh, and so, yeah, I think that, again, understanding who we are as image bearers and not just the gift of that, but the responsibility of that. We have a responsibility to actually live that out and, and, um, and, and, that should challenge the ways that we're doing life and ministry and family and singleness and all aspects of our lives um, should really be looked through the lens of the reality that I'm a man made in God's image. I'm a woman made in God's image. What does it mean to bear that out? Now you mentioned, we got a few minutes left and I want to kind of maybe land the plane with this. You mentioned the idea that, you know, sometimes we have this apprehension and this mistrust and, and how much of that do you think is, is because we have, especially in our culture here in, in the Western world in America, we have so, and I mean, even in the, even in the church in the United States, we have so over-sexualized everything that it, there is a, there's this rampant fear even in the yes. church of any kind of male female relationships, because yes. it just seems like it's all sexualized. But when I look at the life of Jesus, I'm like, here's a man who knew how to have intimate relationships across gender lines, intimate relationships with men, intimate relationships with women that were all totally appropriate and God-honoring. So what would you say to, the, to us who need to hear, okay, how do we break through that fear and that mistrust and, and really seek to live out the image of God in the fullness of being connected as men and women? I, I think you're absolutely spot on, uh, Jonathan, about that. And when just as one example, uh, it's estimated that one in four girls will be sexually abused by the time she reaches the age of 18, and one in six boys will be sexually abused by the time he reaches the age of 18. Mm-hmm. And and just on that one issue alone, let alone pornography at early ages and all the um, the sexualization that happens and the way that we're at young ages, we're not prepared to even handle that kind of stuff. And, and it, it gets us way off track. So I think that... Um, when it comes to the topic of, of sexualization, particularly, we can all benefit, every one of us can benefit by, um, you know, uh, embracing uh, programs and embracing um, uh, counseling. Again, Living Waters is excellent uh, that comes out of Desert Stream. You guys have um, programs that are, that are great as well. But I, I think we have to get really intentional about recognizing, look, I don't want I don't want to, if I'm 40 years old, I don't want to become 50 or 60 or 70 and still be carrying all the baggage that I have in my life now. I want to learn how to shed this off so I can more fully 
live out the image of God that he's called me to live out as a man or a woman. So I, I totally agree with you, but I think it requires that we do intentional work, not try to avoid or, or skirt our past abuse or our past sins or um, the wounds that we're carrying. We're all carrying wounds. We need to deal with those directly. And in that healing process, God frees us up more and more to mirror. It's like he's taking the cloth and, 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 and cleaning the mirror so that we can more accurately reflect, reflect who he is in our masculinity or our femininity. Yeah, and I totally agree. And I think that's, that's uh, one of the most healing things that I think removes a lot of that shame is when we can first and foremost start to see every person around us, male and female, as an image bearer of God. Yes. Instead of seeing them just in the in the wrapper, so to speak, that they're in. Yes. It's like, no, let's not make this person an object. This is a person that was made and made very, very specifically in the image of God. We are fearfully and wonderfully made, right? Yes. So, uh, Gary, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I appreciate the work you're doing and the, the voice that you have in this space. Um, how can people learn more about what you're doing in ministry and get connected with your resources? Sure. Um, I, I, actually, Jonathan, thank you so much for having me. It's been a, a joy to uh, have a conversation with you. The best way for people to get in touch with us is just through our website, which is loveandtruthnetwork.com. And uh, there's a connection tab there uh, or connect tab. If you click on, you can reach out to me directly, but that's probably just the easiest way to uh, get a hold of us. And you'll, you'll see testimonies and other information on our website that explain more about what we are, who we are and what we're doing. Yeah, we'll definitely be sure to put that in our show notes and everything. But Gary, thanks again for your story, your life, your ministry. We're glad that you've been with us. Thanks so much, Jonathan. Yeah. And listeners, of course, we're always glad that you're with us. And we look forward to seeing you back here again next time on the Pure Sex Radio program. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.